1: Hey, it's Molly McAleer and you are listening to season four of Mother May I Sleep With podcast. Hey guys, so like I told you two weeks ago, this is not a regular episode of Mother May I Sleep With podcast. This is the last part of a Troy sandwich. It is another episode of The Smush Room featuring Troy and I talking all about Brittany Murphy's relationship with Simon Monjack. I hope you guys enjoyed the bling ring episode. If you aren't into the Smushroom stuff, then don't worry about it. You don't have to listen to this. Um, and if you do like it, then go check out The Smush Room. I know Troy is putting up a free full episode of, oh my gosh, I'm blanking. On it, but it's a really good one. Go check that out, The Smush Room, and um, we'll be back with more episodes soon. Okay, thanks.
2: All right, you guys, welcome to episode eighty of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives into well-known and more importantly, not so well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. It's me, Troy McKitty, and um, you guys, Malls is back to conclude this three-part Brittany Murphy trilogy. We've gone from like fun and like kind of silly to like a little bit more silly but also kind of sad to now this is just fully dark depressing and uh really just like awful but i'm weirdly kind of excited to get into it mostly honey weird. that's
1: my happy place i hate to say it because i feel like it sounds so like like bad to be like i really love the depressing stuff but i think that like this is the stuff that's makes shows like this so interesting it, because you yeah. like, all really like that. I mean, obviously, true crime is a huge genre. This is just that, but, like, applied to the celebrity world, which is even more fun and delicious. So, yeah. yeah. I don't feel too bad about enjoying this.
2: Yeah, I always say I get the most feedback on episodes that are, like, the darkest. Like, when I'm talking about, like, Katy Perry and, like, Russell Brand just, like, being silly and dumb, like, it's fun. But, like, ones like this, people really, for you know, they connect to, so um
1: because the tea has been spilt like you know in order for something to be juicy something had to go down um and so this is this and oh boy did it go down with simon monjack and britney murphy
2: yeah and i will say just to be transparent like i simon monjack was a really big blind spot for me as i know he was for a lot of people but like even after like i never really took the time to like get to know who he was um that he was like this noted like Svengali, basically, like that people yeah. like, really fucking hated him. I knew that he was a shady character, but I didn't know that he was like all around despised by a lot of people,
1: yeah, I was working in gossip at the time, and like it definitely wasn't we were covering like John and Kate more like at that time, right um but like this was definitely like when the rumblings of him being a bad guy kind of started, that's when you sort of hooked into it which made obviously her death all that much more alarming because we knew stuff had been wrong with, with Brittany and that, you know, she was getting taken advantage of by this guy at the very least. But, um, like for her to die, it was like, Oh, like really at the time it was all eyes on him because the, just him showing up in her life, you know, was so seemed so sudden, but you know, you know, they had a history, they had a long history
2: yeah, and I wrote in my notes that this is like, you know, this is one of those deaths that will go down in just sort of um, infamous history, as far as like, you know, that's like a Merlin, Merlin Monroe, uh, Michael Jackson, like John Bennet. This is just one of those deaths that will always have questions that we'll probably never be able to answer, unfortunately. And um, it's really sad. You know, it's just, it's, she died in such a dark, dark period of her life. She was in such a low point and this guy was so much to blame for that and he really he really just like took a girl who was sort of losing her way and like falling down a rabbit hole and he latched onto that and just manipulated the fuck out of her and she died in that sort of spiral which is horrible
1: yeah and I and I don't know like I don't want to you can cut this if it's like too early but like we just note that you know when you say we'll never really know what happened it's that much darker because the day that we're recording this, it's uh, Thursday, January 24th. It just hit the news that her dad finally passed away after a long time of being like in a coma essentially. And yeah. he was the one that was mainly fighting to, you know, reconcile some things and maybe find out if something real, much more wrong than was reported or even suspected had happened. So, um, know, uh, yeah, we'll definitely not get answers at this point. It's very unlikely we'll ever get answers.
2: Well, yeah. Do you want to go ahead and I guess I can go ahead and introduce the episode and do the, uh, what I, what I call housework and then we can get started and talk about Brittany. Roll in. All right. So you guys, Brittany and Simon started dating technically in January of 2007. They were engaged that March and they were married by April. Um, this guy moved in really fast. Brittany died on December 20th of 2009. Simon died five months later. Um, you know, mysteriously, he died of two of the three, um, same causes that killed Britney, And it's led a lot of people to believe that they were poisoned. And her mom thought that there was black mold in their house. There's all these conspiracy theories. Um, and they had actually, she met him, uh, in 1995, but they approached each other romantically for the first time in 2002. And I mean, you know, you and I last week, we talked about how Brittany was sort of inching towards this really uh, sort of dark, um, uninsurable time in her career where she was like, she was being head. with just
1: rumors and like, you know, very poor public perception overall. And, um, you know, I, I will say, actually, I'm going to like retract some things and I hate to do this, but like. I did a lot more digging uh, the other day after we talked. I don't entirely like disagree with my idea that like she needs a lot of empathy and that a lot of this was a lot of like, she was very victimized in my mind in a lot of ways, but going back through um, crazy days and nights and some of the other blind item sites, um, you know, there's much more, there's a lot of stuff that was confirmed um, that I didn't realize about her drug use. Um, Yeah. Which I always thought was, you know, I really do buy if, you know, you have a heart murmur or whatever it was she had. Like, that is enough to keep most people off the pipe or, you know, or whatever. But, like, fully meth was, meth was the rumor.
2: Yeah. I read that, too. Meth was the rumor. And, you know, she did kind of live by this. um, It became her, her, like, tagline for these last few years of her life that, you know, I can't do drugs. I have a heart condition. I can't do drugs. I have a heart condition. That's what she would always tell people. And then Simon continued that, like, you know, during their time together and then after she died that like, you know, she never did anything. She had this heart problem. And it's like, well, she also died of, I mean, issues with her, her heart. I mean, it's like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's. Pneumonia
1: is not great for some, like pneumonia is known to like sort of just double down on any illness you have.
2: Yeah. And she was definitely, I wrote in my notes that she was sort of like a hot potato in Hollywood. It was like all these people that she had sort of looked to in the past. None of them really wanted anything to do with her, even though they respected her and thought she was a great actress. Her name was just dragged through the dirt so much that it was like nobody wanted to act with or hire Brittany Murphy. She was... Yeah,
1: it was like... This Simon, I think marrying Brittany. I think Britney marrying Simon rather was sort of the last leg that was kicked out from underneath her because this was like, you know, this was a sketchy guy. Like this didn't make sense to anyone. This isn't one of those romances where you're like, oh, this like beautiful actress is married to like this hideous singer or like this like, you know, this composer, this behind the scenes businessman, like the public was sketchy about him when they were dating and then the quick engagement. And the last thing I think anyone like the last shred is when you seem like you have no common sense and you're, you know, that's the like that loses any other respect that might be left.
2: Yeah. And I wanted to, because so in every document, document i'm acting like i'm like a fucking forensics uh (laughs) detective and every article that i read they sort of chalked this up to be um like a straight to dvd straight to video era of her career but i wanted to try and find like definitively all of the stuff that had kind of fallen fallen out from beneath her um what she had gotten fired from or what she was working on Um, yeah so I read that she was let go by Warner brothers for happy feet Two, which was a really big deal for her because she got to sing in that movie. And that was something that she never really got to explore. Right. Um, she little black book.
1: She was in the first one, right?
2: Yeah, she was in the first one and she got to sing. I think she sang like a queen song. She sang like a Freddie Mercury song. And that was okay. a big deal for her. She was excited that she finally got to like sing in a movie, even if she was. A penguin. <clears throat> um,
1: yeah. And it's also like, that's a, a mark for an actor or an actress that like things are happening for you. Cause you're doing, you're animating, like you're doing a voice in an animation that will be seen by families and children forever. That's like a coveted spot.
2: Yeah. And like, you know, she was a successful, I mean, she had also, so she, Warner Brothers let her go, but then she, Little Black Book did terrible. And that was the last studio film she was ever in. And it was panned. It was a horrible movie. Um, she was dropped by king of the hill which was a huge deal considering that was a job that she took at the beginning of that show and the beginning of her career she had no idea that she was going to become famous and it was huge for her it was huge and then king of the hill went on to become this emmy nominated like totally respected show and she, you know that was like her bread that was like her it's- bread and butter
1: it's like Mila Kunis like, g- coming on to be Meg Griffin. It's like, that is, a, that is a money job. Like Those run into syndication forever. I'm not going to like lie and say I think it's the easiest job. It's definitely not the hardest. So everyone oh, yeah. in- loves the voiceover gig, right? Um, but I, I, it's odd because she is listed as having been on King of the Hill through 2010. Um, and that's obviously not accurate
2: yeah they i mean in the final seasons of the show she like wasn't really a part of it and i think it's because they still mention her character throughout it but like they let her go which is really sad and because that's like honestly weirdly like king of the hill is one of my all-time favorite shows and like what she brings to uh luann on that show is incredible um and then she was dropped from the 2008 adaption of tinkerbell and then she was replaced in The Expendables. So it was just back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back, um, just, like, bullets to her career. Yeah. Um, and
1: Simon I, was also managing her at this time. So, like, yeah. she, cause, like, she got dropped from her agency during the whole Jordash junkie thing. And, like, yeah, Hollywood loves uh, a boyfriend, a weird boyfriend as an agent. like. <laughs>
2: Yeah. It's always proven itself in the past to be a really, really successful thing to do.
1: Yeah. Just like stick the weird boyfriend in that's also like a known sociopath. Like, that's definitely someone you want to do business with.
2: (laughs) That's a good transition because, like I said, you know, we've kind of talked a lot about Brittany and obviously we're going to talk more about her in this period. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Simon just because there have to be other people listening to this podcast that don't know a lot about his past i mean i sure. did. so i i took a lot of notes um based on this sort of like just sort of this fengali character that i didn't know was like this like cloaked maniacal sort of maniac just like running rampant throughout he you know, the world, raising he hell. sought
1: her out he literally spent this man spent years trying to to get her, gain her trust so he could sink his claws into her. It's like true sociopath. He saw her vulnerability and he went for it.
2: And the really funny thing about him too, is that everybody in his life, including his mom confirms that he is like this, like he, he's the person that the media makes him out to be. Yeah. Um, According to his Wikipedia page and his IMDb, he's a screenwriter, film director, film producer, and makeup artist. Um, his mom, I know, his mom is a hypnotherapist and his dad passed away when he was 15 of a brain tumor. And his mom has actually said in interviews that after his dad passed away, Simon had a really hard time separating fact from fiction and he would make up these stories and these exaggerations about his life. Um, she also said that he was extremely intelligent on a scale that was like unprecedented. Like she couldn't believe how smart he was. Yeah, he used his abilities to manipulate people he was a sociopath, um and he did that for the remainder of his life
1: which people often say is born out of trauma, which makes total sociopathy is like born out of sociopathy it's born out of uh it's born out of trauma, so like yeah, yeah so that makes a lot of sense that his mom dies, and all of a sudden he has this switch where you know consideration of other people's emotions is is all but you know
2: impossible yeah and the really funny thing is he so like i said he you know he's got this he's a jack of all trades according to him he has writing and producing credits on factory girl and a film two days nine lives that his his parents actually financed for him um but his work as a makeup artist uh, spans one film called abandoned starring his wife Brittany murphy where he essentially tousled her hair and gave himself a
0: hair and makeup credit Um but yeah it's like listed as as of just a
1: video on imdb it doesn't even say like c v like series movie TV series like it just says video um which is interesting, and this was the set she was fired from because of like their sort of like codependence right
2: yeah, because he got drunk and basically um threatened everybody on set and lost his shit, which I I did take notes about that because it's kind of a big deal. I mean, and again, it's something that I, again, a, a blind spot for me. I didn't even know that that happened. Um, but I didn't also didn't know that in Hollywood, he was nicknamed Con Jack Yeah, or they even got together. Um, and he was, I mean, before he even met her, he had all this trouble with the law in 2005, there was a warrant issued for his arrest for credit card fraud um, in Virginia, and in two thousand and six he was evicted from his home. Um, he had four homes and he owed a total of like nearly five hundred thousand dollars to the bank. Um, he was arrested in two thousand and seven for an expired visa and he did inherit money from his dad's death, but he had spent that years and years before he like was romantically involved in Britney. like at that point, he was broke
1: yeah, he was paying off credit cards. Um, yeah. Can I throw out just something a little bit historically about his ties to Factory Girl, if you don't mind?
2: Oh, yeah, of course.
1: Okay, so for anyone who doesn't remember, Factory Girl was Edie Sedgwick. It's like the biography, sort of. It was starring Sienna Miller, right? And um, it was Mary Kate Olsen, like one of her first films outside of the wackness that she like tried to maintain an acting career into her adult life. Um, and basically... Oh, my therapist is calling me. Oh. <laughs>
2: you need to take it?
1: No, I just like literally just think she was just popping in to say hi. Oh that's um, nice. yeah. Um, but I haven't like I like yeah, anyway, we're, like, too close. Like, I haven't seen her in a while because we're, like, too close. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. My like, pleasure. she,
1: like, low-key breaks client privilege and, like, yeah. <laughs> like you know, like, we were talking about going to Japan together and, like, she, like, texts me stories about, like, her time in Haight-Ashbury with, like, the Manson girls before they were the Manson girls. So... Holy shit. Yeah, like, by the way, like, I am that type of person where, like, I can't... My therapist needs to have lived through some shit. Like, I <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, I can't go to a therapist. I went to a therapist who I thought was, like, a fucking nerd. And I got no work done. Because I was like, yeah, you fucking nerd. Like, you know, I was just, like, in my head, I was like, what the fuck do you know about life? Yeah. Like, you know, so I need someone that's, like, like, if you tell them something crazy, they're just going to be like, hmm, okay. Right. Yeah. I, <laughs> yep, and, like, know that it's wrong. They know it's bad. But they're not like, what? You know, yeah. which is, like, what a lot of therapists do. So. <laughs> yeah basically like there's a lot of ways that people can get attached to movies as producers, right? They like invest money in it or they, you know, um, they like did a deal or they're part of like a bigger picture thing where like it works for everyone in the movie. Um, there's also like ways that like you can, what they call like front loading with producers, which basically means a movie just costs a lot more money to make and it's more less likely to get made. Um, But, and all of that means, like, those little title cards you see before a movie, right? Anyway, so the way that, like, a lot of people that are, like, that don't really care about working in this town, but, like, actually just want to, like, cash in, a quick and dirty easy scheme is to be, like, you stole my script. And, like, that happens a lot. Like, there was a whole case with New Girl that you guys should, like, check out um, and look that up where there was a writer who claimed, you know, like new girl, the entire concept was stolen. And like that, like obvious, I think it proved to be like untrue or it came to some sort of settlement where the girl just like, shut the fuck up about it. Um, because like it wasn't pursuable. Right. But you know, basically what they did with this is like, they could argue maybe Simon Monjack, he was like someone who talked a lot, you know what I mean? He was someone that was around at parties. Like, Simon Monjack is the kind of guy that, like, you know, in early stages of development, if you saw him at a party and you, like, said your idea and he gave you one idea, which is a lot of times why people say legally, like, don't talk about what you're working on at all, um, that could have given him, like, a leg in to be like, well, that, like, major story point, like, that was because of me. Like, I'm partially responsible for this story. So basically, like, the film director, he came out and said, and this quote's just right on... um, uh, George Hickenlooper, he was the director, and he said, Monjack had nothing to do with Factory Girl. It was a friz- uh, He filed a frivolous lawsuit against us, making bogus claims that we had stolen his script. He held us legally hostage, and we were forced to settle with him um, as he held our production over a barrel. So, like, that is, like that's a very quick and easy money scheme. Like sometimes there is validity in it, but more often than not, this is like, it's someone trying to like find a way in on a technicality. And like, when you saw that, like fucking Instagram bio of a, you know, multi hyphenate career that he's given himself, like he's a writer, producer, blah, blah, blah. He's none of those fucking things. Right. He, told, he like, you know, he, he put his foot in the door through a lawsuit and threats, got himself a producer credit, and like, you know, what else did he do besides that? He had a B movie before that. And then like, then went on to sort of just like leech off of Britney until she died.
2: Yeah. And I know that I do have somewhere in my notes, but I don't want to like, cause I'll, if I skip ahead, I know that I'll like lose myself and like go crazy. I'll like Fimbot. But I do have a quote. I did read at some point, Brittany actually contacted that guy and was like, can you please like give some sort of positive interview about simon because if you take him down you're gonna take me down too and i can't afford to go down any more than i have which is just like it just breaks my heart that this she was just so you know just undoubtedly like committed to this guy who was so blatantly using her like he couldn't have been more obvious about it she was the only one that didn't get it
1: it's very obvious that she needed him in a way that like even if it took her down because yeah. she was, like, too smart to know that this wasn't bad. She knew. Yeah. But, like, she wanted this more. And, like, that, you know, we see that a lot of times in celebrity relationships or whatever. Like, you could, one could say that, like, Britney and Kevin were like that. Right. Where, like, Britney just, like, continued to fight for him and, like, trot him out for the press, even though America couldn't have hated him more.
2: Right. You know? Be- because they represent something in their life that means way more to them than we could ever really understand you know what i mean but it's like unhealthy
1: oh of course it's you know what, what i mean it's completely like codependent like if yeah. not more than that it's like can you please hold me in stockholm syndrome like mm-hmm. she, well she was definitely seduced by him and i think like groomed by him i think that she like the thing that made him do that was that, like that obvious willingness she had to be that which sucks because i've been there as a chick like totally getting manipulated by a guy and knowing it was happening. But, like, not knowing how to stop the part of me that, like, kind of craved that, like, that, like, relationship, you know?
2: Yeah, Yeah, no matter how, like, that part of it in the back of your brain where, like, you know that it's bad. But, like, you're just kind of, like, trucking forward and, like, hoping for the best.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, Yeah. And I should also mention that in, so, in early, like I said, they had known each other for a really, really, really long time. Um, Brittany was actually the one that reached out to him initially. She was filming The Ramen Girl in Tokyo, and she contacted him to let him know that she liked his script for a film called The White Hotel um, that was like being passed around, and she asked if they could meet up when she got back to L.A. They went to dinner at Hotel Bel-Air, and the next week, um, I mean, he followed her to New York, and she did press for a movie, and from that moment, they had never Spent any time apart, the only time that they ever spent apart from that day uh was like nine days while he was in the hospital for his heart issues. but they would never ever spent a single day away from each other and I,
1: yeah, it seemed like it was a big surprise to even like her mom. It was very out of character for Brittany to like. Kind of like hijack, like take, you know, have a secret, like have a secret from her mom, or like to, oh yeah, oh
2: yeah, you know,
1: like not t- consult, and like it was almost like a secret or something. But like just really quickly to, sorry to go back, no, like no. I know you mentioned that they first met in 1999, but like my understanding is that he often, like he often presented himself in her life, like he was a paparazzi for a while. He would approach her at parties and like, so he became like a familiar face. So when she really like reached out to him, it was because he had sort of established himself as this person who saw her as the star in any room, which is something we know Britney struggled with is feeling like she was, you know, that beautiful actress that, you know?
2: Yeah. Especially because like we mentioned earlier, he was somebody who considered himself to be like a jack of all trades. So pretty much any job he could do to like further himself or at least say that he had done that said job. Um, he would do it. You know what I mean? And he, yeah, he, I think it was 95. He met her when she was like a teenager.
1: He met her like in the movie. Anyway, he met her like out on the red carpet at clueless.
2: Yeah. I mean, she was like a little, actually literally a little girl. Um,
1: and one, one more question I have, like, um, so sorry. No, you're fine. Um, I had one more question. Oh, so like, I I know that like Simon had other like people that he had screwed over, like that he had other women who supposedly felt that they were engaged him or whatever. But I think we would have known if he had tried this with multiple women in Hollywood, like something would have been said about that. And so to me, like, I really wonder like how, why, like when, he really chose to like lean into Brittany. Like if he just saw her and knew he had to have her, his hooks in her, like as soon as he saw her, um, because like if he'd been doing this with like other actresses around that, you know, I think people would have stepped forward. Like we would have seen more articles that weren't about like 40 year old women that had grudges with him. We'd see like young ingenues that he'd also been sort of tracking down for years. And so right. just the way he picked her is really interesting to me
2: yeah i actually do have a theory about that um about the reason that he picked her at the time that he did and why they in their engagement and everything Um, okay sorry to step back sorry keep going no you're fine um she so basically (laughs) he she britney believed all these things about him like wholeheartedly he presented this image to her that he was this like wealthy educated filmmaker from the uk who you know, had all these connections in Hollywood and all these people wanted to work with him. And he had all these scripts going out that were like going to be a thing. Um, also that he had this giant fortune and that he was an heir to this big, giant throne from his dad. And, at that point, Brittany was under the impression that he was going to revive her career. He told her, you know, I'm going to, like, help you become, like, this big-budget movie star again, and we're going to get you out of these, like, low-budget films and off of these, like, straight-to-DVD films or whatever. Um, and a week before Brittany and Simon announced to the world that they had secretly gotten married, they were photographed drinking uh, Crown Royal at a Playboy event in the Kentucky Derby. Um... And according to sources, Britney and Simon were trying to hide it because they wanted to announce it the following Monday. Now, this is really fascinating to me. This is, like, really funny. So the HollywoodGossip.com had announced that Britney and Simon had this, like, secret marriage, whatever. And yeah. And they, uh, they had released a follow-up article the following week where basically they had gotten so much negative feedback from people who knew him and people, like, industry people that were, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like people that were like, I want this comment to be public. Can you please publish this? They actually mm-hmm. went back and published an article specifically of comments from people who like knew him that were trying to get through to Britney and be like, don't trust this guy. And yeah. they even specifically said, like we got 20 times more comments, ne- more negative comments in reference to this than we did for Britney and Kevin, which in 2007, that actually means a lot.
1: Yeah. It meant a lot.
2: I wrote down a yeah. couple of them. Uh, the first one says, Simon is a con artist. He conned his last girlfriend out of her car and money. He left her with awful credit, frequently uses different social security numbers. He left his other girlfriend in London with a $20,000 credit card bill She's unaware of. she was unaware of until he was long gone in another country. He is a master at lying. Brittany, please beware. I hope you're reading this. And then another person said, Simon Monjack is a tremendous con artist, sociopath, and thief. It is wow. amazing that he will still... He, that he's still on the loose and not in jail. He's conned many women into giving him money, changing his cell phone number, and all while pretending that he is an important figure in Hollywood. He somehow lost his family's money on the truly horrific film, Two Days, Nine Lives, and has been scrambling to catch a wealthy or at least connected woman to open the doors for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so this kind of plays into my theory of as to why he chose her at the time that he did um apparently this woman named tiara rafiq who he was with before uh tried to get in contact with britney to warn her to stay away from him she couldn't obviously because at this point he has her completely cut off from the world so she released a statement publicly hoping that britney would read it basically just saying that you know simon proposed to her and she found out after he kind of just took off and didn't even tell her where he was going um, that the ring was fake and that the engagement was kind of fake and that he was actually facing deportation. So he was trying to attach himself to somebody not only that he could like stay in the country for, but it was what he was like, who was wealthy. Right. And Brittany was that, that gal. He was and like, since, like,
1: maybe like he sensed that there was still, because he was coming from such a desperate place. If I had to like speculate,
0: yeah, he,
1: he felt like because for him that would still bring up his profile you know so like, yeah, absolutely. like she's rich she's desperate she's willing to go for it you mm-hmm. know this is a perfect package for him
2: and he definitely sniffed out all of her insecurities because he, this guy is there's no speculation that this guy is a sociopath like he's like a true and true like, like this is like classic and he, he sniffed out her. He did. He hunted her. And it's like, it's just wild. Like, it's it's crazy to me that she was in such a low point that this person who was a blatant, like, all of these red flags meant nothing to her. Like, that's that's how low she was.
1: Yeah. It's sad. It's really sad. Like, um, you know, it's like, I think that industry, this industry does that to people as well. Like, where it's like, you go from being worth every t- everything to worth nothing in your own mind. And that's just not true. You know what I yeah. mean? There's like, she still was a valuable person in society. She still was like a good person. She was paying taxes. You know, she wasn't like, this wasn't someone who was like in financial peril. And, you know, she was like, and she wasn't like, you know, drunk driving around town. Like she was, she's a like, you know, she's a good person. She would have yeah. survived, you know, even if she just like, it's just, I think for artists in particular, and also this town, It's a very all or nothing mentality Mm -hmm. where it's like, either I'm an actor or like, I'm going to work at Applebee's Mm -hmm. and like, I don't, you know, like I would like, I would rather, it's very hard. It's very hard to be humble and it's really hard to get back to a work ethic if you never really had one in a traditional sense, like a nine to five.
2: Yeah, I mean that's like I think that that's like such an important thing to bring up because she was, you know, people forget it's like we look back on Clueless and we're like, oh, cute, like Britney's first movie, but she was 15. You know what right. I mean? Like she was plucked from New Jersey. She was 15 years old, and she kind of hit the hit the ground running as soon as that movie came out. Like she had no like coping mechanisms like that an, a normal adult person would have. Like she'd never, like you said, worked like a normal job. Um She had been, like, working since she was a kid. She Uh, also
1: didn't have a childhood. Like, that's the other thing. It's like, fuck. It's like, you know, if you never had a real job, but that, like, you would at least hope that you got a real childhood. But I think, you know, she was so driven to get out here that, like, she just didn't have that. And, like, I think, obviously, as I said on the previous episode, sort of, like, carried on to her 20s, you know? her Having this sort of, like, buffet of opportunity that she worked so hard for
2: yeah and like leading up to their um, leading up to their one year anniversary <laughs> anniversary, which would have been the following like April may because they got married in spring. Um, she told People magazine that uh, they were planning on having children in two thousand and nine, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that that was a really big deal for her, and they asked her how she was dealing with the scrutiny of their relationship because at this point like they could barely really even like leave their house, not that they wanted to because they were like extremely reclusive. And um, she said, we've stopped using the internet lately. No blogs. We're a blog-free couple. And then Simon said in the same interview, all these ridiculous people came out and said all this nonsense when we got married. Thank God we had the substance and the history within that to say, whatever. We still don't understand what happened. It made us laugh. It made us cry. But it's definitely made us stronger. Um, And this was, as you mentioned earlier, November 30th was the end of the year around the time that she was fired from the film The Caller. Um, it was reported that Simon had showed up on set drunk, and he was belligerent. Um, I guess he had gotten in some fight, like physical altercations with like some locals um, while they were in Puerto Rico. Um, so she was only filmed for a day, and according to Brittany, it was mutual, and she backed out of the film because the movie had <laughs> had gone from being this like sort of a fantasy drama to like a full on horror film that she didn't want to be a part of and involving witchcraft and voodoo
1: she always said like she doesn't want to do horror it like freaks her out which is so funny because like i would say don't say a word which is one of her best performances right a horror movie but that was also a theme in the movie as well and i apologize to everyone for like referencing the movie because obviously there's a lot of inaccuracies in there um but for the most part like the broad strokes are correct and like towards the end of her life she was very adamant about not wanting to do horror which everyone knows watch lindsay lohan's career like that is where you wind up you know oh, like yeah. that, like that's kind of skid row for actresses but there's still opportunity there
2: yeah i mean it is funny and especially because it's like don't say a word is not only like one of her best performances but it's like it's the one that she's it's one of the three films that she's that's quoted when people talk about Brittany Murphy. Like, the Don't Say a Word star, the Clueless star, it's like when people talk about Brittany and they say, like, oops, she's done it again, or, like, the Toxic Singer. Right. It's like, that's her Wait. legacy.
1: What, what's the third movie?
2: I would say Clueless, Don't Say a Word, and I always read Girl Interrupted.
1: Oh, smart. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Um, But yeah, it was also reported during this time that, um, the oh, yeah, so the producer of factory girl this is around that time that he had come out and said all that stuff and uh that he had had nothing to do with the film and then richard golub i know i'm pronouncing his name wrong it's gulab um he was this author he was like a high power attorney in new york um somehow he got roped into like the writing process for factory girl uh And then he backed out and didn't want to be a part of it once he realized all this tomfoolery was going on. And he said in an interview, I told him, I really don't want to be a part, I don't want to be in business with someone who is film, who is film flaming people. You've left a trail of people behind that are going to sue you because you took their trust funds or inheritance, you know what I'm trying to say.
1: Inheritances, Inheritances. Yeah.
2: Inheritances or con them into investing in projects you've never delivered. And Simon responded to me and said, look, you really have my number. I've led this really fucked up life, and I really have conned and cheated a lot of people, but I'm trying to turn over a new leaf, and I need help. Um, and yeah, this was also around the time that Brittany contacted George, the producer of the film, and said, like, can you please help me and not not take down my husband? And he said that he told her... Um, you've got to clear your head on this. He said, I just knew that she was so... This is actually really important. He said, I knew that she was so fragile that anyone who lovingly gave her the time of day and could put up with her eccentricities, she would be attached to immediately. And, like, that is so telling that Brittany Murphy saw herself as this sort of eccentric, damaged, like, fucked up person, and Do that... You want
1: to know what's so weird, too? What? Is that, like, one of her, like a very good like friend of hers on the record is winona Ryder, who i would say the same thing about oh yeah like i mean the eccentricities line is very interesting to me
2: me too it's like very telling. that's
1: that's that word is very telling because yeah. like to use that word in particular like if one thing is like her um You know her quirks or something, but like eccentricity is like has such a great deep implication to it, and maybe that word was used. There's two reasons: one, it could be true; she was incredibly eccentric, and like we didn't have full access to that. Or two, like he was weaponizing that word to sort Mm -hmm. of keep her in her place.
2: Right. Yeah, and like the way that this guy is using it, you can tell that it's like. At this point, at this particular point in her life, she's riddled with all of these sort of mental health issues. And, you know, she feels like she's in a place where she's lucky, probably, to have this wealthy, amazing guy who wants to take care of her and bullies people for her and, you know, shows up on set to make sure she's not being taken advantage of. Like, in her mind, it just, I don't know, like, that word just really, it, like, means everything to me as far as, like, where she was at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah and like he seems like someone who's like you know some people aren't very intentional like like my friend i had like he called me a kook and i said to him like, <laughs> you yeah. can't say that i was like that's a very damning word for like a 35 year old woman I, like, <laughs> that makes me sound like i'm fucking like gray gardens like yeah. i'm not a, yeah. i'm not a kook but like that's a very like But so, like, people fuck up like that. Like, I think they just, like, misuse a word or they, like, throw a label at something and they don't really think about what it means. Yeah. But Simon was incredibly calculated. So you just know that, like, whatever that word meant, it was supposed to mean something. And that's one thing we can be sure of.
2: Yeah, and, like, you know, Brittany also, it's worth mentioning, like, she didn't know anything about these previous women. I mean, they lived so in such a reclusive lifestyle. And like, that's something I'll talk about here in a minute, but like they lived like behind gates and they never really left their home. Um, Yeah. And you know, he moved into her house and she didn't know that he had just left a woman with thousands of dollars of debt and back pay on rent because he had been writing all these bad checks to landlords. And, you know, Brittany ended up paying $10,000 to a casting director to get him out of, like, a bounced oh. check situation. like Sounds right. As soon as he moved in. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, I wrote in my notes that they basically lived in what you could describe as a like a giant panic room. Like, they were... They had, like, Mission Impossible-level cameras everywhere all over their home.
1: She was incredibly paranoid leading up to her death. Like, and I, you know, paranoia can spring from a lot of things. Like, one being just, like, general conditions too, we hear about paranoia a lot, like, coming coming with attention um, and, like, magnified by mental illness. Like, a lot of the psychological breakdowns we've seen from celebrities in the press is, like, clearly, like, where, you know, the two, where the two things cross, you know, where yeah. it's, like, mental illness plus undue, like, un- insatiable, like, need to be on top of a person's nuts, you know?
2: Yeah. So For like
1: sure. and like she was also always like she definitely always was a homebody like i could you know i could see like that was uh, that was part of the deterioration of her and Ashton's relationship yeah. but also like the more that like any time you walk out of your house like you can't even go to like a boutique and get sweaters in Malibu without people being up your dick like i would be yeah. at home 24/7 afraid that people were going to get me i could see that slipping in Really easily, especially if you factor in drug use, which both she and Brittany were allegedly doing meth, which is known for bringing on paranoia.
2: Yeah, and like, you know, Simon also, I mean, he had people after him, and so he believed that their phones were being tapped, and he was telling her that, you know, um, they had drones flying over their house and that there were helicopters trying to get photos inside their windows. And, you know, he really. I think he believed those things weirdly, but I also think that he knew that it was something that he could use to really like hammer in this control that he had over her life that, you know, like even her friends and her family gave all these exclusive to magazines, exclusives to magazines, um, basically saying that, you know, Simon had trapped her in this web of paranoia and that he used it to separate her from her family and people that she'd had in her life, her whole life. Um, Her, Simon's mom also confirmed that she actually only met Brittany once during the time that they were together because they just didn't think that didn't doesn't
1: leave. surprise me. Like he latched into her world and like, you know, you see that a lot with couples where it's like, God, it happened in the fucking Craigslist killer. Yeah. Where he really kept his family at arm's length and like almost if anything made his family seemed like they had a lot of issues when really all that they had was information about the way he's been his whole fucking life.
0: God,
2: dude, it's just like, you can't help, but wonder what the temperature, like what it was like to walk into a house like that. You know what I mean? Well, there's just so much energy, like drugs yeah. and paranoia and, this Fingali guy who's running from the government and running from lawyers and Britney who's it like... It
1: like it would be dark a lot. It would be dark. It would mm-hmm. be, like, over-furnished, like, because we know she kept, like, a lot of Britney's furniture. So, yeah. like, because, like, she bought Britney Spears' house for anyone who doesn't know, like, that. Like, she kept a lot of that, and it just seemed like probably it was out of date, over-stuffed, yes. dark, and also just, like... I can't decide if they would have, like, nothing in the fridge or if it would be, like, they never left. So they had a huge fridge, like, just full of shit. Like, I can't decide if they were leftovers people or not. But, like, that's, like, that's where I'm at with trying to decode this energy. Like, because it's, you just know. It was, like, probably just, it probably wasn't even thick with tension. It was probably just, like, cool with depression.
2: Yeah, you're right. It's, like, cold and dark and cluttered. No,
1: no heat. Like very, like just because, like that—that would be too lively. Like that would be too living. And it seemed like they were, you know, Brittany in particular, from the descriptions I've read, like it seemed like she kind of just like sort of moved aimlessly, you know, up and down from her bedroom to her bathroom all the time, (laughs) like
2: just sort of top
1: floor of the house, like stagnant. You know, not working out, not doing a lot of the things that people do to keep mentally healthy in this industry
2: yeah and i've seen videos and stuff like i watched a video on youtube of of simon giving um a tour of their home like after she had passed away to like entertainment tonight or something and um he had you know a bunch of rooms of her stuff and it was very like it was hoardery in the sense that you could tell that they really enjoy like that the high and the thrill that they got if it wasn't from like drug use was like spending money like just yeah it that they didn't need you know britney like buying absurd amounts of like clothing um yeah you know i mean which also kind of plays into her insecurity uh of just clothes that she like did not need they weren't even like going places and she wasn't like going to like
1: they weren't like there was no minimalists in hollywood at this time like like now i think it gets a lot of press when you're like a rich person that lives simply but like um like you know like there's a reason why people like talk about like steve jobs like being such a minimalist and having a uniform it's because we're also coming off the heels of like such a consumer windfall especially in hollywood it was all about being out with your different bags and like just seeing people in magazines made you think you needed it for your life. Um, And if you had an endless amount of money, I'm sure that like, you know, that would be the thing that you do.
2: I thought about that because you brought that up when we talked about her and Ashton and I thought about like the excess of the early to mid 2000s and even just like Even down to something as simple as a celebrity leaving a restaurant, unless you had, and this isn't a thing anymore, but like people who grew up during this time and you look at these photos, it like triggers something where it was cool to have, and this is going to sound really dumb, but it's like, you know, four different drinks in your hand, three cell phones, five bags, eight scarves, sunglasses, a hat. It's like even like physically the stuff that a celebrity would carry around, like it was cool to be carrying
1: And this was also the heyday of still gifting suites. Oh, yes. you know, that's, like, basically expired. Like, you know, the Oscar gift basket, the gifting suites, like, those are not really done the same way. They do them with influencers a little bit more now. But basically, like, there's, you know, if... It became very like good knowledge that it, these were gonna get taxed all this free shit you're getting you're gonna get taxed on it, mm-hmm. and like a lot of the stuff people were walking away with were like vacations and like ten thousand yeah. dollar gift cards, and like you know when you're paying tax on that, like you better be making enough to cover that so like once that law went into effect, I think that really changed too, and of course, the recession, it became less and less attractive to like be bragging about your belongings but um yeah, yeah people yeah people accumulate stuff really quickly especially when they have money and especially when they're depressed and like they that's what she turned to you know i don't think she had i don't think she did work out i don't think she was like that person i don't think she had a release other than stuff like shopping
2: yeah i think so too i think that was like and then obviously for him it's like to be spending somebody else's money i'm sure it gives him Definitely made his dick hard at the time, you know what I mean? To be spending thousands of dollars worth of money, of her money, on shit that they don't need, frivolous things around the house. He's, like, convinced her that they have to have. Um, and it's also worth mentioning before we talk about them them dying that another thing that Simon's mom mentioned uh, while he was alive was that she believed for years, even when he was a teenager, that he was, she definitely felt like he had Munchausen syndrome and she felt like he had this ability to control his body in a way where he could convince doctors and therapists and people in their family that things were happening to him that really weren't. And she started to notice it when she realized he was using it to get things from people. Um, He would have these fake seizures um, he would have like fake heart palpitations. Oh my God. You know, just during moments where he was like, where the, you know, where the spotlight was on him or where he was maybe being asked to like fess up to something or be accountable for some terrible thing he did. He would
0: suddenly have like a, you know, a mini heart attack. Um, yeah. So, yeah, while they were filming in Puerto Rico, Simon and Brittany's mom actually
2: acquired a bug called Staphylo- Staphylococcus um, that they just called him. <laughs> like i even like spelled it out We can just call
1: it snuffelophagus
2: can we please
1: yeah let's just call it snuffelophagus
2: okay so they had acquired snuffelophagus in in puerto rico and this was her mom her mom and simon that actually got it britney was totally fine um uh, mm-hmm. they stayed in puerto rico for six weeks uh they were there filming that movie and simon was like we should just stay because we flew here and she was on set for one day and they were like well let's just hang out
1: let's just have a vacay
2: yeah, like a like a you know we've already paid to come out here. Um, so on the way home, Simon had what the press described as a mild heart attack. Brittany described it later as an asthma attack, um, but she did administer CPR on him on the plane, and then that got out. Like somehow a story leaked to the American press that he had had this crazy big giant heart attack on the plane and britney had to throw him to the ground and give him cpr and it was because of this and that and drugs and she had just been fired from this movie so it was just another like pile on for the negative press that she was already getting um which at this time by the way was like her worst fear that was a lot of the reason she didn't leave her house is because she felt like anything she did at this point whether it be get out of a car looking a certain way or go into a hospital or whatever, it would, you know, it would spark more rumors that she was like this crazy drug addict. Mm-hmm. Um, so they returned home. They went to, um, or Simon ended up giving the bug to Brittany. So she took an antibiotic. Um, she took a migraine pill in her system. These are all the things that she had. Uh, she had cough medication, um, some nasal spray in her system and the day that she passed away she had taken an antidepressant medication an anti-seizure pill an anti-inflammatory and um and some uh is it pronounced Vicoprofen? probably um to eat i think vicodin. that's probably
1: like a generic name for like vicodin
2: okay she they said that she took it for her period like for cramps is that yeah, like,
1: and sense? like that's, like, also, like, remember Nicole Richie, when she got pulled over for going on the wrong side of the freeway, like, her whole thing was, like, yeah, I'm on Vicodin, like, I have period cramps, and they were, like, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That doesn't fly,
2: like, yeah.
1: doesn't fly like, that. <laughs> like, it's very, like, you have to have, like, endometriosis to get, like, legit painkillers for some, for your period like that, like, I'm not gonna be a bitch and be like, everyone just needs to take some a leave, like but like in general, a doctor will not give you a muscle relaxer, let alone a painkiller, unless you have like proven to be which she did. It was rumored to have endometriosis, right?
2: Right, yeah, she did. And so. then um, Simon had also given her a beta blocker as well. So she was just like sort of pumped with all this shit. Beta
1: blockers are a blind spot for me.
2: sorry. Oh, I was literally just going to ask you if you could explain them to me. I don't really understand. So
1: I've had like, I've, I know a writer that takes them and I know like an actor that takes them like before a meeting or something. And apparently it just like, it doesn't treat anxiety. It just like helps steady you. So like if you would be shaking or like the things that basically like, the manifestations of physical manifestations of anxiety, I guess. If, but that's basically from what I understand of it. Like I can Google it right now, but um, the way I've had it explained to me is like people being like, "Oh no, I don't take Xanax, but I take beta blockers," and yeah. so yeah. Um, let me let me just look up what does a beta blocker
2: do. I've stuff? always had the like. It's always I've always in my mind thought that it was like a thing that like blocked like the chemical in your brain that like release things like that maybe i don't know
1: beta blockers known as beta and jerek blocking agents are drugs that block norepinephrine nor um and and adrenaline from binding to beta receptors on the nerves so basically what it does is it um it just like it chills out the stuff that like come like basically like your adrenals go up when you're nervous. Right. It like chills on your adrenals from what I can understand. Um, And it says there are alpha and beta receptors in the body. These are three types of beta receptors. Um, So there's uh, receptors located in the heart, eyes, and kidneys, um, which is interesting. Um, Receptors are found in the lungs, gastrointestinal tract, liver, uterus, blood vessels, and skeletal muscle. And they're also located in fat cells, which is very interesting because, you know, she had heart problems. She did have pneumonia, which is a lung issue. Like yeah. uh, the beta blocker could could have been the thing that made the most sense for her. But I could also see it in, in concert with the other medications being like too many uppers, too many downers, um, but probably not enough to classify it as a drug overdose.
2: Right. Which, like, when you think about how tiny and sort of, like, precious moments figurine, fragile she was, um, and she was just pumped with all, I mean, even though a lot of what she was on was, like, you know, cold medication, nasal spray, like, antibiotic, but still, it's just, like, she just had so much in her system, and then at the same time, like, she just just so happened to be having her period, um, which was causing anemia, and then she had laryngitis, which... yeah from when she got home to, like, the next 10 days um, had just progressively gotten worse and worse to the point where her lungs were, like, just filled with liquid. Um, She was completely debilitated. And, And like, I'll
1: float a theory. Like, maybe she had been doing, like, meth or something like that. And, like, it had kind of cleared her system. But, like, her um, her immune system became like so much lowered by it. Cause that's what happens. Like m- drugs lower, lower your immune system. Yeah. And, like she may be stopped because it was so bad. Cause it had manifested to like, you know, six different symptoms. And, um, that's why she was clean of it. Um, I could see that being the case and also why she was so medicated when they got her because like, you'd probably if you were withdrawing or something and refusing to go to the hospital you'd probably want to counteract that
2: damn that's so crazy i mean she was just so tiny like it's just like i'm imagining her tiny little like frail body in bed just like lungs filled with liquid anemic like laryngitis you know what I mean? Also like the symptoms of a common cold, which to me are like, I'm like a total pussy when it comes to being sick. So like, that's also debilitating for me. You know what I mean, it's just like a lot and for like 10 straight days.
1: Yeah, I know. Well, wait, hold on. Hold on. This is really interesting. So first of all, I Googled how long does it take meth to get out of your system? And it rec- like re-saved uh, as how long does it take meth to get out of your system. (laughs) Uh, Uh. O-U-T-P-A. If I look at it, so recoveryvillage.com is the source here. Um, And it says, um, basically, the metabolizing method, blah, 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 meth half-life, detection times. So, um, essentially, people say that it could take about 10 to 14 days to get out of the system.
0: So that could
1: align with her. It says, yeah, so... It, it could be, te- wait, it, sorry, it will leave your system um, four to six hours after use for up to three to six days. Um, saliva test can detect meth within five to 10 minutes after use and up to 72 hours. Hair test can detect meth within 10 to 14 days after use and up to 90 days. Now, I don't know if this family, if they got this death diagnosis, um, if they would even bother to go get her hair tested because the coroner's report wouldn't have shown meth in her system. Yeah. But it could have been a perfect storm of like her detoxing and trying to get off of this. And that's being why she didn't show up for it. But like 10 to 14 days after use, like, or like, you know, or whatever, if it takes three to six days to get out of your system, she could have been using it up until six days before she died.
2: Damn oh god it's just like so crazy
1: you have to you have to request like um a toxicity report like they can process them pretty quickly for murders or whatever but if it's like a family thing um you know first it could take six months you know to find out or sometimes a year to find out if someone was on drugs when they died um you know, that's why sometimes it takes so long to hear it, or we never really get a follow-up at all, like, because the media's moved on. Um, right. I don't think that would have been the case here, but I think it would have been on the family to request, um, a, like, a broader toxicology report.
2: Another thing about this that makes me really sad that I read was that she, um, so Brittany's mom said that during the day the more the the morning of the day that Brittany died, uh, Brittany called for her mom to come upstairs, like over like their intercom was like begging for her to come upstairs. She was hysterical, and when her mom walked into her room, she was laying on a patio chair on a um on their patio, and she was uh like gasping and she was saying, "Mommy, I can't breathe. Please help me. Um, I'm going to die. I love you." Like you know, crying and like gasping so for air. So sad. And her mom and Simon sort of viewed her as like a dramatic person who, you know, Brittany was sick a lot. Like she spent a lot of time in quotes, sick. So they sort of didn't really think anything of it. Like they thought that she was being a little bit overdramatic. Um, they didn't take her seriously. Um, she also asked for um, oxygen. She said like, uh can i get like um like an because they had like an oxygen machine in her room and simon denied it because he said like that it would fuck with her heart so you know i mean the doctors did say and not to like skip ahead to her post-death but like they did say that she probably like most likely would have been fine had they just taken her to a doctor um but she wouldn't go to the doctor because she was worried that the paparazzi would film her going in and out of a hospital and You know, Simon was also like doctor shopping and it had been discovered during this time that he had like, you know, relationships with all these different doctors who finally started communicating and they were like, who is this fucking guy? Um, Brittany was also getting pills under a bunch of different aliases Mm -hmm. from different doctors. So there was a lot of like hospital paranoia, but like she definitely probably would have been fine had they just taken her to a hospital and she was like treated by an actual doctor, which is like really sad.
1: Can I also throw out some um, common symptoms like from um withdrawing from meth? Oh yeah. Irritability, intense drug cravings, mood swings, depression, sleeping problems, agitation, anxiety, paranoia, hallucinations, fatigue and inability to concentrate and aches and pains. Um and that's just sort of in the acute phase which is the first like couple weeks. And then after that, it's cravings, problem with with thinking and memory, sleeping problems, and depression.
2: Damn. Like, check, 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 check.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, pretty... And, like, there are ways to detox at home, like, from what I'm reading. Like, it's... Like, you have to have, basically, a psychiatrist that's going to work with you on it, which could be, like, you know, maybe they kind of figured out what the routine would be and like got those like um, pills from different people. But um, I know that she was found with an antipsychotic in her system, which is like one of the things that they use for um, detox um, as well as um, antidepressants and over the pain, um, over the counter pain medicine.
2: Damn. It's just like, it's wild to me that they, I mean, I know that, like, they had their own weird little world thing going on, and, like, there was so much weirdness happening in that house that, like, they themselves probably thought was, like, normal. But the fact that this had been happening for 10 consecutive days and not one time during her saying, like, I feel like I'm going to die, nobody said, like, let's just get her to a fucking doctor. Even if we do get in trouble, even if we do get path, like, you know what I mean? Let's, like, go against her judgment and just force her to a fucking doctor. Like, you know what I mean? Just anything. Yeah. Um, yeah so around seven thirty AM, uh Brittany made her way to her bathroom, uh where she told her mom that she didn't feel well. She said in quotes, Mommy, I don't feel well. And then around eight, she collapsed and her mom screamed for Simon to call nine one one. Uh Simon moved Britney's body into the shower and uh Sharon talked um Simon through resuscitating her, which TMZ released audio of their conversation with the with the paramedics or with nine one one with dispatch. Mm-hmm. And um she was rushed to Cedar Sinai and pronounced dead at ten AM. Um initially Simon refused the autopsy. He said that it it violated his orthodox Jewish tradition and then yep. he them like violating her body. Um And he, the coroner insisted that they examine her. And that was when it was discovered that she had died of pneumonia, anemia, and a cocktail of prescription medications. Yeah. Oh God. And then, uh, he also determined that she was, like I said earlier, she was sick for two full weeks. Um, so at any point during that time, if she had gone to a hospital, like she had a really, really high chance of being fine. Um, and so maybe I'm
1: it was like she knew that if she went to a hospital, she would have a full battery of tests on her that would probably eventually lead to a drug
2: test. Yeah, and it would one hundred percent have gotten out.
1: Yeah, because like you know we're still in a place where like they'll follow like Haley Bieber to like the gynecologist or whatever. Yeah, but like back then, people would camp outside of a like a hospital out of outside of Cedars to like catch someone coming out of their 5150 holes. Like mm-hmm. it was nasty. And like, I think that now, like even though people would still probably try and get those pictures, it would be much more widely frowned upon, which would make them worth a lot less money. So like you will see like, you know, the occasional person trying to like go track down Kim K's surrogate. But for the most part, people want to stay away from that.
2: Yeah. and I mean, that's the one thing. I mean, I, I mentioned this all the time when I talk about somebody especially during this period who passed away, is that they missed, you know, they sort of just missed within the next few years where people get, like, a little tiny bit more woke about the treatment of celebrities and, like, Well, I
1: health. think that they, they fell That was their cross to bear. Like, they really, like, you know, they fell on that sword for us, like it was stuff like this that sort of started to make people think, Oh, this is like a dirty business. Like it feels yeah. bad to look at that. It feels bad to see someone, you know, cause like there was a lot of time, like during that whole fucking Matt Lauer interview with Brittany or whatever, where like, she's begging them to stop. Like that was like, people were like, she's crazy. Right. Like, that is really sad about the paparazzi. That's crazy though. Like, There was a for many, many years, there was conversations around how crazy the paparazzi was, but like that was the conversation. It wasn't like they're so crazy and it needs to stop. Mainstream media did not want to stop like paparazzi violating people until it became in vogue because like someone started to like finally take a stance. Like one, you know, I think it was People magazine, for example, said like, we're not going to buy pictures of kids coming out of school.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it's, like, thank you for, after years of trying to, like, run teenage girls off of, like, cliffs, like you guys have, like, woken up or whatever. Right. Um, like, it's insane. Um, but I read this quote from this guy named Rex Bieber, who was, like, a a psychologist in L.A. who had, like, a relationship with Britney that wasn't medical, but he didn't know her. And um, he basically said that simon's behavior was consistent with that of a sociopath and very common sort of age-old cliche of a person with sociopathic pers- sociopathic personality disorder uh coming in contact with a narcissist Brittany was a narcissist she had been sort of like trauma beaten into this like self-absorbed self-obsessed right perspective on life and Um, you know, had kind of completely taken control of her. And he said, they have a kind of blood instinct for weakness of people around them. He said in his way, Simon did love Brittany, but that was the part of his sickness. And he said he was mentally ill and couldn't help preying on her at a time when she was highly susceptible to the oily charm and false promises and outright lies of a man like him. And uh, I know, and you know, it's like, like I said earlier, Britney's death is like one of those, it's one of those deaths that will just go on for like, I mean, we'll never know what happened and people will always just have. It's
1: just heartbreaking.
2: It is. And then he, you know, Simon was found dead on May 23rd, five months after Britney, um, in his, in the same bedroom, very similar causes. He had acute pneumonia and severe anemia. So two of the three, um, and yeah, I mean, like what do you like what is do you have like a theory like do you
1: okay, think I a have like dry? one very unpopular well, like I don't know if it's unpopular, but I will say it's controversial theory okay. that a friend floated to me like around the time that it happened, and like the way that they said it, I was almost like, do you know something yeah um, but he was like the whole Brittany Murphy thing, like doesn't it seem like maybe they had h i v or AIDS?" Oh. And I was like, because it was like after the after um, he had died as well.
2: hmm
1: And I was like, the more obviously the older I get, and like the more th- I'm like, no, probably not. But I also know that there's like a lot of shame around people like putting that on someone's history, you know, if they right. haven't been open about it in their life. Like I would say that that's like akin to like, Outing someone, it's like their per- personal like shit, you know. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I will say that, like, I have wondered if there was something like some sort of like poisoning thing, or maybe something like that. I do think that you know Sharon and Simon, and you should like post this to the Instagram or whatever. But like the picture of them when she died, um, they it's a picture of the two of them on the stoop of the house that she died in, and they're holding a picture of her um oh, in a yeah. where she looks like a fucking drug addict. Yeah. Uh, out of all the movies, out of everything she ever did, they chose this like highly stylized publicity shot from a not necessarily great period of her life. Yeah. And that's how they chose to memorialize her. And I assume that this was not her favorite role. And as someone who was, you know, like insecure about her looks and everything else I would be really shocked if that this is something she would have wanted or approved of and I mean I guess I would say that I don't find it impossible that maybe they like Sharon had been sort of poisoning her or something um and cause there was a lot of rumors that the two that Sharon and Simon were sleep, you know, they were sleeping in the same bed like that. And they by the way, never contested that that was true. They said that it's not a sexual thing. It was like a comfort thing because it was like the bed that he and Brittany shared. And like, they were both so like just distraught that they had gotten like, you know, really close and bonded over the death. And then I thought, you know, and then when Simon died, I was like, okay. Um, you know, that's fishy. Yeah. Then, you know, today with just like, you know, finding out that Brittany's dad who'd been in like a vegetative state at like age 92 finally passed when, you know, yes, he didn't have a huge part in her life, but if you suspect that something really horrible happened, to your daughter to like exhume a body to like demand a body to be exhumed, which by the way, like she's at Hollywood forever. She's probably in the tombs. Like, that is a That is a big deal, and no, no. I would like to think that he wouldn't do it like erroneously, like he wouldn't just do it like like on an impulse, like, oh yeah. like, let's see what this turns up because that's a big deal, and like you'd have to be a very bad person to do that um but you know, upon his death today, I can't help but think that the only person who really knows what happened during that whole thing is Sharon Murphy.
2: I think so too. I think that she's really the only one that knows. And I hate that too. I think that she's going to like, and she'll die knowing and we'll never, we'll never know.
1: And you know, I don't think that she herself was a sociopath or something like that. I don't, I mean, maybe she was a narcissist. I could see that being the case for sure. And like, you know, narcissism makes you very unfeeling and it also makes you feel very entitled. And, You know, if, you know, if, uh, you know, Brittany had been on like her, um, if she'd been like in a great place in her life, like, I don't think it would have benefited anyone for her to die, but like where she was and if the drug use had been rampant, like I could see someone opportunistic and self-motivated trying to find ways to take them down. And I could also see, you know, Simon manipulating her into thinking that maybe this could be something after she was gone. Because, you know, she herself, like there's never any record of her like having dated or her having, you know, a boyfriend or there was never any talk about that. And then, and, and, and what is that life? You know, like, what is it, like, this older sexless woman, like, locked away in a house with her daughter? Like.
2: Yeah, and I definitely feel like, like, when you marry Brittany or when you're in a relationship with Brittany, like, we've established that you're in one, basically, with her mom as well. Like, it just kind of comes along with the territory, and I feel like, like we mentioned earlier, there was a lot of really weird, dark shit happening in that house, and she was privy to all of it. Like, they really had let their, you know, they had, like, let, as a couple, their guard was completely down around her. And, yeah, I definitely think she saw a lot of things that would probably really help this case. You know what I mean? Which is is really sad. But, yeah, I mean, it's like... There's another
1: thing, too, sorry to interrupt. No, you're fine. That just is hitting me. So, like, Simon tried to call out his um his orthodox judaism mm-hmm. and i know that Brittany's mom was jewish but she throughout her life like i'm kind of looking at she uh, apparently identified as christian and like would dabble in like buddhism and other spiritual la like you know a lot of buddhism is jacked for you know LA culture yeah. and like I could see her feeling like that was a dip in and maybe I think she, I remember her even having something to do with Kabbalah but I definitely I know she was married in a Jewish ceremony to Simon I know that but I do wonder what's up with that yeah like what's like when like like, wh- why was she for many years identifying publicly as a Christian? It wasn't like it was never, like, it wasn't like it wasn't in vogue to be Jewish in Hollywood. Like, as an actress, I just don't, I don't understand, like, why there's that. Like, because, like, someone's, like, ties, like, their beliefs, I think is very important to, like, you know, like, no matter how they identify, if they practice or not. I think when someone says they identify as something, it's intentional and it like, it, it it's supposed to reflect something like either how they want to be seen or how they, how they feel. And, um, to like, I'm not saying this is like some Jewish conspiracy. Like, I don't mean it like that at all, but I just think it's very convenient that like that Simon's Judaism came out so quickly but that also Brittany should have probably like you know according to like the way that Jewish tradition works been raised Jewish because of her mom
2: yeah well that and also it's like for a man who like he just chose this random time to like be spiritual when he's been running through it's not like like if he was somebody who lived his life in a way that had proven like justifiable in the sense that he was like the spiritual being who Like, he was, like, uh, uh, he was Leonardo DiCaprio in Catch Me If You Can, just, like, ruining people's lives left and right. It wasn't like he was living some, like, spiritual facet of of a spiritual life for, like, since he was 15. So then to be like, oh, by the way, I'm also extremely, extremely, extremely religious, and she can't be touched. It's, like, it just felt like an opportunistic thing to be, like, I don't know. You know what I mean? It it just feels like everything that this guy does feels like skeezy and like sketchy, rightfully so. But it just felt like so out of place that all of a sudden, all of a sudden we're religious.
1: Right. And then, and then there's another thing, um, which is that when she like years later, her blood was tested and she was found to have like a very high level of, of, um, of heavy metals in her body.
2: Oh yeah. 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 What was that about?
1: So basically like, um, the heavy metals were found in her body, um, in 2013. So it was four years after her death. And, um, basically it was saying that she died from pneumonia, but her dad, that's what made her dad really want the independent test was the heavy presence of heavy metals. Right? right. So common signs of heavy metal toxicity. I'm reading this from like the um, it says chronic fatigue, digestive discomfort, brain fog, immune issues, headaches, achy joints, and rashes. So these are like, these are like, I want to look up more like, um, how heavy metals get into the body, like in a bad way. Um, but cause like there's ways, um, that they can enter that are like pretty much, we're all sub- susceptible to them. Right. But, um, okay. So one public water um two beauty products and oh,
0: yeah
1: that's what they were you know her mom said it was the hair dye
2: but like oh yeah I, I forgot about that
1: towards the end of her life like she had brunette hair and like was probably if anything like just doing like a rinse on it like it's not like heavy yeah. and stuff like that so like i kind of i'm like all right i guess i could see that but not really um it also says pesticides and herbicides. So um, that would be like any sort of like lawn product or whatever. Um and also stuff that like winds up on fruit and vegetables that we eat. Um dental fillings. Um in my mind, I kind of feel like that's something that she wouldn't have been dealing with because she had veneers. She had like, you know, she doesn't have those like silver colored dental fillings. She had white, you know. Right. Actresses didn't have those anymore um furniture is something so like britney um murphy could have been killed by britney spears because they also hold tox. they can hold toxic mold but um furniture apparently has a lot of heavy metal in it um including mattresses automobile seat covers couches um and more um
2: but do you think any of these things would be something that would like leave traces like in any of our bodies of like heavy amounts of heavy metal
1: Um. So, like, let's look up like extreme, extreme sources of oh, heavy metal poisoning. The effects of toxic metals. Okay. So. Okay. So, like, mercury poisoning. We know this, right? We've heard of this. Um, Jeremy, what's his face? Piven said he sushi and quit a play, right? Right. Um, aluminum toxins. It says is uh, ridiculously common. Um. It's in, like, a lot of uh, foil, cookware, whatever. Um, it's also, um, exposure is common when in occupations like welding and mining. Um, and, like, the stuff that falls under that is, like, nasal sprays. She had a lot of nasal spray, right?
2: Yeah, she did.
1: Nasal spray, um, antacids, anti-diarrhea medication, um, hemorrhoid medication, vaginal douches, vaccines, um, lead toxins, um, which is hazardous. Um, that comes from drinking water, old homes and tobacco smoke, um, dust flakes and lead based paint. Um, and, um, when it enters the body, it goes in the bloodstream and starts depositing itself in the body, bone, soft tissue, and the brain. It's harmful for children and pregnant women. Um, that can be found in antiques, car batteries, cable cutter coverings, uh, cigarettes, crystal paints, pesticides pvc plastic etc um it also says toys and products imported from china i'm like low-key racist okay yeah (laughs) um how dare you um and then like it's also in a variety of foods like for uh cadmium toxins uh shelled seized uh uh, cabbage french fries cookies celery potatoes um but i really want to know where like I'm, I want to know like what the real, what the real tea is, because I wonder if you can like poison someone with this. That is my, that's my concern.
2: Yeah. Like I, I guess, yeah, I still don't have like a good gauge as far as like, like how much of that I'm thinking about like myself, like I'm reading off the the list and thinking like all of those things that would be in me. And like, if I died today, like, would they be like
1: extremely
2: high levels?
1: heavy metal basics arsenic cadmium copper iron lead mercury zinc by the way who knew i was a fucking scientist <laughs> honey i gotta run because i have to get back to my shift at nasa um but let me just finish. uh so it says who gets heavy metal poisoning work in a factory that uses heavy metals breathe in old lead paint dust when you fix up your home eat fish caught in an area with high levels of mercury use herbal medicines that have metals in them okay, okay. like that's not chronic okay. poisoning um like okay let's look up like um heavy metal poisoning for murder let's look that up
2: oh yeah because this was like such a big deal like the metal like this was like the thing that had her dad kind of like going crazy during this time where he was like no there's something else going on
1: Yeah, like, by the way, like, I'm fucking Casey Anthony right now, like, trying to Google, like, fucking um, chloroform right now. Like, like, literally, as I, like, write this in, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Um, Okay, so heavy metal poisoning for murder. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Okay. All right, so I'm going to look up. This thing called like uh, 10 horrific poisonings or whatever. Heavy metal poisoning.
2: I'm looking it up too. This is like so hairy at the spy right now, both of us like tapping away. I know. Um,
1: so, uh, 1994, 21 year old student in Beijing started to suffer from unexplained medical problems. These included hair loss, blurred vision, and acute stomach pain. She eventually fell into a coma. Desperate for help, her friends decided to turn to the internet while it was still in its infancy (laughs) in China at the time. They uh, shared the story on several news groups providing a detailed description of her symptoms. They wound up receiving thousands of responses, many from who believed that she'd been uh, poisoned by toxic heavy metal known as thallium. Subsequent tests... uh, Confirmed that zoo didn't Jack uh did indeed uh have high levels of it in her body. Doctors were able to save her life. The prime suspect has always been her roommate at university, who happened to be one of the only students with access to thallium. However, some of Sunway's family members are powerful communist party party ops Okay, so I doubt that this really applies to Sharon. Um but that's interesting. So thallium. How could that, how could that pop up in people's systems? I mean, is that a, let me see if that's like one of the main ones, um, German man suspected of killing 21 coworkers by poisoning their food with, um, mercury laced remedy
0: from India. Wait, no, 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 wait. Hold on i the
2: weirdest see like and it'll also never not be weird that britney murphy was like 115 pounds and like five foot tall and he was like Maybe she wasn't
1: 400- eating because her mom was fucking poisoning her
2: well that he was like this 400 pound like sloth and that they died of like the same causes right like
1: that's like that's also like that is definitely 100 percent you know like it's funny like that he died 6 months later cuz one one might suggest that like it's probably would take 6 more months to poison him than her.
2: I mean yeah, actually you're right.
1: Um but one thing that's like oh, uh, god I don't know what was it? What was I going to say? Um Oh, Molly, I forgot one. It was something, that I was sorry. Um Yeah. I don't know. Like, oh, I was going to say like for all the cameras in their house, like the way that they did this, like I will say if Sharon Murphy and even Simon, if he was in on it or not, like they created a pretty interesting situation by keeping it that her in the house because like they would literally have to like put out a warrant for like for that footage to be taken. So if there yeah. is any footage of all this happening, like there, yeah, we've heard the 911 call, but like if they were all pimped out with cameras, the way that we were told they were, we could have footage of her dying in the bathroom. Yeah. Depending on the angle that was shot from. And I'm sure if like, she was worried about like in- people like sneaking in and like jumping up on her, she probably would have had a door angle of her bathroom. And like, you know who knows like there could be just like they they did a good job of also like if they did a good job if this was the case like creating a paranoia around her and sequestering her was like a very good way to get away with this yeah like no one knew what her life was like we didn't know we knew first she was sick for 10 days right But, like, in those 10 days, like, usually when people, like, drop dead and it's, like, a shock, like, we still, we've seen them out or whatever.
2: Right.
1: Or it's surprising if we don't see them. That's why people are like, whatever happened to so-and-so? But, like, there was never, Brittany Murphy never really had a nonstop presence in the media that wasn't just, like, pictures of her on Robertson Boulevard and, like, on on romantic dates with one of her boyfriends or at a premiere. like. So, like, we knew where she was. We just didn't really know how she lived her life. And that could have very well been used against her. That could have all been a plot, you know, as much as I I hate to say it because it sounds so awful um, to think that, like, you know, her mom would do this or something. but
2: No, but you're right, though, because that is sort of, like, that feeds into our paranoia, the, the public, about her death is that we didn't she was so secretive and so private, and they lived behind gates and and a wall. And you know, they never left their house. Like everything that she did during these years of her life was just so secretive. I mean, it was literally. I mean, she was like living like Shelley Duvall, literally. Like it,
1: I know. And then I just found this heartbreaking quote. I'm looking at Brittany Murphy quotes. She said, "Home is where my mom is."
2: Oh God. Oh my God. Oh, so sad. And I'm
1: not out here trying to say I think Sharon Murphy murdered her. I think that Brittany, first of all, I don't even think their relationship was that creepy. I think they, you know, there's a a thing with single moms and their their only children that that is a very, like, that's a really difficult bond to sever. And it's also a bond that, like, lends itself to a lot of unhealthy behavior that goes unchecked because there's not anyone else in the nuclear family. And... You know, I don't blame, I don't think Sharon, because she was around her daughter a lot, I don't think that's what what makes me feel like she is a murderer. I just think that, like, you know, I would like to think that if I died, whether I was in the house or not, my mom would, like, do everything she could to find out, like, why this happened. Yeah. Like, a young, beautiful actress drops dead of pneumonia. Like, unless you know something we don't know, why aren't you out here searching harder for that? It's not normal.
2: Yeah, and I I agree with you. I don't, like, I feel like in the past, like, three episodes, like, I may have portrayed uh, the idea that, like, I think her mom was creepy because I've been calling the really... I mean, like, I've been, like, referring to them as, like, having, like, a little bit of a weird relationship. But, like, when it comes down to it, there are so many other celebrities who have are known for having relationships like this with their moms and or whoever like their their guardian is when they get into the industry really young a really good example is brandy like brandy's always been known yeah. as a girl that as a teenager you did not fuck with because her mom would never ever not be on set not be right there with her watching every single thing every conversation It was contract signs. she wasn't permissive Yeah, like it was very, very obvious. So it's like this isn't really like it's it's actually sad that this is weird because there's we're so used to people pimping out their kids that that feels more normal to us. But like you know, they had a close relationship because they were all each other. They were all they had was each other. And but
1: all that said, like I mean, it's it's like it's also devil's advocate when I say that because part of me will say like. Yeah, maybe there was aspects of this relationship that it d- was natural to their circumstances, but I definitely don't think the way this ended that implies to me that like I'm giving it a lot of credit.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. T- yeah, towards the I I would say like at the beginning it was justifiable, and then towards the end it was something that had like cr- it turned into its own sort of the, like crazy yeah. piece that we you can't even really describe. Um, yeah
1: it's so it's so sad i mean you know obviously we can sit here and like say that over and over again all day but like it is it's like it's it's really heartbreaking what happened you know
2: yeah i mean do you have any before we end on this really somber note do you have any closing statements that we're closing this britney murphy chapter for good on the podcast
1: Um, I just, like, I think she was, like, a phenomenal actress. I think that, like, the end of her legacy is, like, I think that she is someone that she is going to have a comeuppance again where, like, the way that we do, like, Brad Renfro is having that moment right now. Obviously, it's a little bit different because his is, like, regarding, um, you know, Brian Singer and those allegations and, and, Mm -hmm. like, you know, the things that are known to be true. Let's just say that. And... You know, we've lost a lot of young lives in Hollywood that are viewed as, like, out-of-control tragedies. That was, like, you know, the BuzzFeed article really um, nailed that on the head, is that, like, we're a much more empathetic community now. You know, even the way we handled, like, Corey Monteith, is, like, who was, like, a guy on one show, let alone Brad Renfro, who we, like, grew up with. Right. Um, you know, like, we have, like, great sympathy for someone like Corey Monteith now, right? And, like... um I think with Brad Renfro, like, or whatever, with Brittany Murphy, we're going to see this come up in so that, like, this thing where, whoa, they were wronged at the time. Like, yeah. a Monica Lewinsky or someone else. Like, I re- just rewatched all of Monica Lewinsky's, like, interviews from, like, when she was in her 20s and this all happened. And, like, she was such a young, cute, funny, Oh yeah. open, interested, Smurfs. liberal young lady. And, like, we all know now, right? Like, I don't even have to say that, like, she was wronged. Right. But, like, it took us, like, 20 years to come around to that. And as a society, to be like, this is fucked up. Yeah. That this, like, done wrong. And I think that, you know, it's going to be some the 20th anniversary of some movie. Or, you know, Clueless didn't, Clueless wasn't it. Um, but it's going to be, like, the 20th anniversary of some movie that she made that she really impacted you know, um, society with. And I think that she was in a lot of them, um, really, really great cultural movement movies. Um, I think that she will, I think that she will be redeemed at some point. And, and the, you know, the reality of her death will always be a mystery. Um, I think maybe we'll find out much, much later the way that we find out about like old Hollywood now when we find out about like affairs that happened between movie stars in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. I think that we could find out something someday from someone who knows something but You know, ultimately, like, I do think that she she's I'm not too worried for the legacy of Brittany Murphy, because I think her body of work speaks for itself. And, you know, if anything, like she will be more celebrated retrospectively than she would have at the time of her death. And it's a, a shame she had to go out feeling hated and paranoid and scared. But I also don't think that's a state anyone should have to live in either
2: yeah i mean i think that that's like the number one thing in all of this obviously besides the fact that she didn't make it was that like she died you know for somebody who up until the day she died like just loved the loved entertainment like loved the entertainment industry even still and was still sort of clawing to be um accepted into it even in her, right um it's sad that she died feeling like You know, she died being described as a one star, like, as somebody who used to be a big deal, and that wasn't anymore. And, like, that kills me.
1: She also, like, did her work. Like, that's the other thing, too, is that she wasn't, like, you know, you hear a lot of young actresses, and, like, you're like, what's your inspiration? And they're like, Audrey Hepburn and Grace Kelly. And I'm like that's because like your manager told you to like watch that to like yeah. pop up on film history. And like, that's an easy entry, but like Brittany from, you know, what I've always read in interviews and like things I remember saying is that she had like a really, um, she had a good understanding of film and film yes. history and like acting. And I think that that came from sort of growing up being, um, you know, in theater and, She also, like, you know, I think was a true artist about it. Like, um, you know, I read somewhere, and this word's, you know, historically inappropriate now. But at the time, she sort of referred to herself as, like, a gypsy, where she likes to go around making art in different areas. And, you know, um, I think that, like, that's just, like, all stuff that kind of, like, makes me... It makes me really think that, like, it's such a shame that we lost her because she's someone who really loved her craft and that really showed up in her acting. And, um, and you know, I think that that was seldom praised at the time if you were a young actress. Now, you know, maybe it's a little bit different, but like, typically, like, people ask older actors and like consider their knowledge to be sage and round. But like, for a young actress, she was very educated on her craft
2: yeah i totally agree with that i mean like it can't be argued that britney murphy was like a real she was a real actress that fell into a subcategory of like party girl like drug addict that did not represent her at all and that's really fucked up but i will say if if any if there's nothing else that you take away from this podcast, please just go watch The Dead Girl. Like, I actually, like, watched it again because I own it, and I watched it again the other night. I think
1: I bought it after we talked, but I haven't watched it yet.
2: I'm so excited for you to watch it. Like, it's such a... It, like, truly changed my entire perspective of Brittany Murphy as an actress, and, like, I've always thought she was incredible, but that movie really, really blew me away. So if you take away nothing, people listening... Go watch the dead girl and just cry. Like allow yourself a gut-wrenching, <laughs> like lights out, cuddled up with a blanket, like like howl, cry.
1: Yeah, you deserve it. <laughs> you deserve and, it after this. <laughs> and Brittany Murphy, man, we love you. Okay. You'll never be forgotten in our hearts. Yeah. I can speak for me and Troy and say, You're iconic. I know you're listening to this in heaven. Yeah. And we love you.
2: Yes, we love you. And we hope not sporadically.
1: Not the honey! Oh my god, I love you. You're <laughs> so funny. I hope not sporadically. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Mom, okay. thank you so much for doing this with me. Like legit, like for real. You're this
1: welcome. Really, really it's Wags's feeding time. I've been summoned <laughs> down. He was hitting his bowl with his claw. I was <laughs> afraid that you would be able to hear that, so I came down. So, um, <laughs> old man Wags has to eat. <laughs> but I love you, and I'll text you in a little bit. Um, Smushroom audience members, uh, fuck yeah! Thanks for thanks for being here.
2: Yeah, seriously, thanks for listening. This was super fun, and I'll text you, and I love you. Thank you so much.
1: I love you, and I think we might we might want to run this in the main feed again. I, I just want people to keep getting that sweet sweet Troy. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, I love you. I'll talk <laughs> to you soon.
2: All right, bye. Bye, babe. Thank you for listening to The Smush Room, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Please make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps your boy. Also, make sure to head over to patreon.com slash psychos for more information on this show and other Patreon exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McGeady, that's T-R-O-Y-M-C-E-A-D-Y. You can also follow this podcast at ebp underscore smushroom. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew.
1: Thank you so much for listening to season four of Mother May I Sleep With podcast.
0: So I decided to create Business Dad to engage in the conversation about how we're spending our time now providing a forum for successful dads to share their joys and challenges of being a working parent. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier. And while this podcast will talk about business and will definitely be featuring dads. I think everyone can learn something from these incredible conversations as we unpack the expectations we all have about careers, relationships, and ourselves. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.